This is a Young Farmer Business Program podcast. Farmers have a tendency of the farm is everything, they live and breathe it, and they have all their lives for you know, 60 or more years. They've, it's all they've done. Uh, so I can fully understand it's very difficult to step aside from that. In the previous episode, we heard from Annette, her husband Sam, and her sister Rebecca, who all returned home to run the family farm when their dad Bruce fell ill. At this stage of the story, they've been back for about six months. Bruce is slowly recovering and wants to stay involved, but the kids are worried about the long-term management of the farm. They're keen to get the ball rolling on succession planning, but things aren't running smoothly. Here's Annette. I think he had different opinions about how the business should be set up and how we should all be working together. So I think he expected we would all come home and and work for him rather than with him. He just expected everybody to fall in line. My name's Sam Loy and this is Propagate, the podcast devoted to young farmers and fishers. This season, we're digging into the sticky mess that can be succession planning. This is part two of the Longworth family's story. It's not an easy track by means, and it's probably the hardest thing I've had to deal with. This is Bruce Longworth, Annette, Rebecca and Stuart's dad. When we spoke to him, he was travelling around Australia in an RV, but we did manage to get him on the phone. At the beginning, I was in the background a fair bit recovering. You know, I was still in hospital when they came home, and I wasn't well for a few years. The biggest challenge was trying for me to maintain my relationship with the children. And I found it very difficult with the girls. At times we would argue about things. Trying to find a way to work together, Rebecca, Annette and Sam were starting to feel the generational gap between them and Bruce. We're probably keener to get things moving. Um, And we were all in our 30s and had had you know, successful careers outside of farming and outside of the farm. So we wanted to keep building on our careers and building on the on the farm business. So it's a, a common point of friction where everyone wants to be the boss, <laughs> really. <laughs> everyone, um, you know, the younger generation wants to step up and take over and the older generation may not be ready for that to happen necessarily. I would say he was. it was just as challenging for him as it was for us, for sure. Um, he felt like he was being pushed out and we feel like we weren't being let in. I completely understand that you know, life flashes by pretty quickly and before you know it, you're being told you've got to retire, especially, I suppose, in farming where it's season by season and we might actually only get 20 or 30 crops when you look at it in that perspective and then you can feel like you're being shuffled off. I think it's certainly the elephant in the room that nobody ever talks about as openly as they should. And again, I think it comes back to that emotional attachment and not wanting to tread on toes. The ties that you have with your family are really fragile and um, valuable. Oh, it's hard to talk about it now. All these emotionally loaded decisions are difficult to navigate without a clear plan for moving forward. They tried to work it out, but the kids felt unclear about exactly how Bruce wanted to be involved in the business. In the thick of it, it was challenging because he isn't very good at communicating and isn't very good at expressing his feelings or, yes, what he thinks, what he wants. 
so that made it very challenging, especially when we were sitting down having succession planning talks um, with and without a facilitator. Often he wouldn't be able to tell us what he wanted or what he was thinking and therefore it, he probably felt like he was being attacked because we were always trying to get more information from him. Annette could manage Dad, that's the right word, a bit better. I'm a bit of a, um, a peacemaker. I don't like to rock the boat and I don't like um, conflict. So I'm like, great, you can try to have those tough conversations because I... I one of the people who put my head in the sand and <laughs> pretend it's not happening. Tensions were beginning to rise. Annette and Rebecca had uprooted their lives to come back to the farm, but now there was no agreement on how to run the business in a way that accommodated all of them. For us, it was if, if Dad still had that financial tie to it all, he was never going to step back. He was holding on. But it was very hard for him, even though he said, no, no, you, you can run it, you can run it. He still wasn't stepping back. And he was still unwell. Like, he's doing all this when he's still quite sick. When I chatted with Bruce, who was incidentally somewhere in Queensland, he told me that he actually ran the farm with his own dad for a good decade before he and Jenny took over entirely. Yeah, no, I, I worked with my father for a number of years together. And it, it wasn't a, a thing of who managed what. We, we seemed to manage it together. I'm sure I did plenty of things that my father thought wasn't done properly, and I remember doing a few things that I let him, I could have done better than he organised, but, um, but I think that's in any family sort of business. He and I had a pretty good, oh, I reckon, a really good working relationship. Bruce's positive memories of his working relationship with his own dad may have influenced his expectations. However, things weren't going as smoothly this time around. Fortunately, the Longworths had laid the groundwork for succession conversations when the kids were just teenagers. And now, they could recognise the time was right to invite a facilitator in to help them form a roadmap for the farm's future. Here's Annette's partner, Sam. When we decided to progress with uh, succession planning, in a formal sense, we engaged the help of Isabel Knight and Proactive, who um, Isabel helps facilitate succession planning, basically. So it gets families together. And I think having that sort of external help is really important to succession planning. Families, every family's different, but families tend to be very cautious of hurting anyone's feelings, or some families just fight and argue, or you know, it's, it's difficult for people to express what they want out of something. And getting someone like in, Isabel in is really important in, and works really well at getting people to, drawing everything out of people and keeping it civil basically. You can't do it yourself. You've got to have outside people to come in and help you to organise it, to get it on track. Well, in our case, it could have really got messy. We were using other people that we had faith in, really good faith in. Isabel started with step one, understanding everyone's priorities and finding a common goal. Initially, we filled out a questionnaire of sorts. Um, explaining where we're coming from and what we're doing and what we wanted, what we all wanted out of the process, both the the process of going through succession planning and then the outcome. The roadmap took a long time to actually develop and was uh, evolving the whole time. It's not like we sat down in a meeting and said, right, this is what we're going to do, this is how it's going to happen, done. Everyone was involved in this process and everyone had an opportunity to air their concerns. 
And then we had a series of formal meetings with uh, everyone in the family and extended family. So Annette and I weren't married at that stage. But yeah, so partners were brought in. Having a facilitator in the room isn't a magic solution. These conversations require a level of vulnerability that can be pretty difficult and challenging. I just remember sitting down with Dad and he wouldn't talk much. He, yeah, he just shut down. So it, it made it really hard. Even she couldn't crack him <laughs> to get some answers as to how and what he wanted or why he didn't want things a certain way. So, yeah, it made it challenging. I just remember thinking, gee, if she can't crack him, <laughs> I don't think anybody can. <laughs> I don't really like to go over those things anymore because it's in the past and sort of like to leave it there, actually. But yeah, all I can say is it's pretty stressful. And, um, yeah, I, I don't really want to go over it, that's all. They pressed on. Succession planning is a long road that takes time. The Longworths started by establishing a board as a tool for direction and planning management and a way to start to separate the family from the business a lot of the meetings were spent talking through the succession plan. On the board was Annette, her partner Sam, Rebecca, their overseas brother Stuart and dad Bruce. Their mum Jenny, who had separated from Bruce but was still an owner of the family farm, she was also involved. I think it has certainly helped having the board because it's enabled all of us to step away from the business and, and take that overall perspective rather than getting bogged down in the operational detail. The board set out to develop a strategic plan for the farm. Part of that strategic plan came out through the succession planning and w with the assistance of Simon Fritch at AgriPath, who we use for our benchmarking. And that benchmarking's really valuable in terms of setting that direction for the farm too, because we can look at various enterprises and it just comes down to pure numbers of what's profitable and what isn't. And so if someone has an idea of steering the business in a, a different direction or a new direction, we can just go back to the benchmarking data and say, is this or isn't this a good idea? Using multiple advisors like this is becoming more common for family farm businesses. A strong team around the family can really help them succeed. But at this stage, transferring the ownership of the farm to the kids had also become a priority. When Bruce and Jenny divorced, they settled by dividing up their off-farm assets. But because they had built the farm up to pass on to their kids, Jenny held her shares in the property and a seat on the board. And so then when Bruce remarried, it was important to Jenny that the kids' inheritance was still secure. With the divorce and then Bruce's subsequent remarriage, I didn't want the land that we'd built up on the land and the properties we'd bought together as a family to go to another family who weren't related to that property. That it was imperative that children, the three, my three children owned the land, that, that, that was their heritage. So what we did is we actually did the next step. Here's Rebecca again. And actually transferred ownership of the land and water assets to the next generation, being myself, my sister and brother, from my parents. So that's came with a big tax bill and as a family we decided we'd, we would do that. We would still go ahead with it even though we knew what the consequences were regarding tax, which is something a lot of families wouldn't do just because it is an expense for doing a, a transfer of ownership. 
um, from a name to a name, really. And it's not a cheap tax either. Like, it's for the size we are, it was hefty. I was always on the side of, yes, we'll do it anyway, we'll pay the tax, because I'd rather pay the tax than lose the farm to, to not to the kids. A lot of families might choose to keep the ownership of assets intertwined between family members for longer, and so put off paying that tax. But for others, the decision to pay the bill and have a clean break is much better. Looking back at it now, it definitely was the right decision to physically hand the asset over to the children. It may have cost money at the time, but in the long run, it's an easier way to do it. Also, you don't have to wait. I mean, they don't need to wait until you die or, or leave to then have control of that asset. I mean, if they can work out what, what things they need to do to make the farm even better than we had it. I mean, they do things more modern anyway, but they're doing things their way, which is great. Things started to look a bit easier. Annette, Rebecca and Sam found their feet as managers. Stuart moved back to Australia and remained active on the board. He still lives off farm, but trusts his sisters with the day-to-day running of the business. The transfer of the farm took some time, so while that was happening, the board began working on other details of succession. More specifically, what Bruce's role in the business would be into the future. He kept saying he wanted to be involved, he wanted to be involved, but couldn't dictate to anybody what that looked like for him. I don't know if he couldn't or wouldn't. Maybe he wouldn't because he felt like his involvement was being the overall manager and everybody was working for him or um, whether he just couldn't picture it in any other way and therefore couldn't see how it would work. Remember that Bruce worked with his dad for a good decade before his father fully retired. So he may not have seen a problem with such a slow transition, but the board were working towards more clarity in the roles. With Isabel, we set up a structure whereby he was going to be a mentor. So I'd moved into the general manager role at this stage and he was to mentor me, but couldn't really get his head around what that involved for him and how he could, yes, pass his skills on and how he was supposed to work with me. I wanted the the guidance and support to be able to bounce ideas off him, be able to ask him questions and learn as much as I could from him to then go and take that information and manage others. However, a lot of the time he was going around me and talking directly to the managers. And then I'd pull him up on it and he'd say, oh, what, so I can't go and talk to them anymore. And I'd have to say, no, you can talk to them, but you can't give them direction. They still see you as giving them direction. The direction needs to come from me. You talk to me about it and then I can go and present that direction or whatever it might be. So that was really hard and it happened all the time. It happened last week. (laughs) As the farm moved from Bruce's supervision to the kids, it was hard for Bruce to find his place. This was another tough transition. He didn't feel like he was contributing enough. He probably didn't feel valued enough in that role. Yeah, no matter what, how we approached it, I don't think he could ever see how valuable it was to the business to have a mentor and to have somebody to be able to bounce ideas off and, and get some feedback from. I think in the end it was a, a bit of time um, Actually, no, in the end, I had children and I, <laughs> I got myself out of the role and <laughs> passed the ball to Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca had a similar experience. It was a roller coaster. <laughs> and it's hindsight. Looking back, you actually realise it was, yeah. When you're in it, you don't realise. 
Dad struggles to articulate himself. He struggles to communicate what his thoughts are. He's very much a gut instinct type of person, which has, you know, led him well. We've got a fantastic operation here from that. Unfortunately, when you, at times, if you've asked, well, what do you mean by that? That, you know, asking the why question, he becomes defensive and thinks it's an insult rather than a, we just want to know, we just want to know how you got there. And from your years experience, why did you think that's the best course of action? And sometimes it blows up because he thinks we're asking the wrong way, I guess. And he just, yeah, gets defensive and yeah, little arguments start. <laughs> Family relationships make this stuff pretty difficult. And that's not only true for the blood relatives. As an in-law, Sam experienced his own challenges. It's a great privilege to be included, and it's it's very important to have in-laws included, I think. It's also a challenge because um, we've all got our own families to deal with, and then essentially you're dealing with someone else's family, <laughs> and you're going through all the... Um, all the troubles and, and tough decision-making with someone else's family. It's a fine line as an in-law of being involved and also removing yourself. Sam felt this in particular during some of those succession planning board meetings. When it comes down to finances, I really struggled having input. Like I, I didn't feel it was appropriate having input with your in-law's family finances. I was quite happy to have input on, you know, potentially how the farm could be structured and and that sort of stuff and the day-to-day operational stuff. But then dividing up assets and all those sorts of things I I struggled with because I just didn't feel it was my place to be involved with that. After the official transfer of assets, the farm came to feel more like it belonged to the kids, on paper and emotionally. But it's still not perfect. Yeah, with Dad stepping back and not having the, the physically owning the, the land, it, it definitely does help, but I don't feel it's, it, it's not, he still has, he still has interests. I think that's probably more it. Even though he knows he, he doesn't wear the debt and wear the, own the land, he still, still sees it as his, that he's handed on. He can't change that and that's fine. And he is very welcome to his, I guess, opinions and his, his knowledge on the past. 30 years of farming, it's his experience there, it's invaluable. So the communication's still there, um, getting his opinion on what we're doing, but obviously we do still butt heads. I mean, the succession hasn't ended, it's still ongoing. From the outside looking in, the Longworths did everything right when it comes to succession planning. They brought in impartial facilitators, they formed a board with clear objectives, they sought each other's opinions, or, or tried to at least, and they slowly transferred ownership. They dealt with divorce, illness, and shared management, and still came through it all as a family. But it wasn't easy. I can't say that it, but I'm doing all this has made the process perfect. We had a, you know, roller coaster ride for eight years from the time that we decided to move back to with Dad transitioning into retirement. It was tough at times. It was stressful. It was emotional. I would say Annette. Sam and myself at least once would have went, it's not worth it. I'm throwing in the towel. I need to leave. This is not good. God, I think I'd said that six months ago again. So, you know. Uh, there were times when, yeah, it was it was difficult working here and, and you know, I'd, especially as an outsider, as an in-law, I sort of look at it and go, well, gee, I could get this job anywhere else um, without all the hassle. <laughs> basically you know still basically have the same career but without the family hassle so I can just step aside from that and let the 
family succession stuff do its own thing. But thankfully they pulled through. Bruce has now moved to the coast and is enjoying life in that RV. He's still on the board, but is less in the weeds with operations. I'm not regretting any bit. I've stepped away now. and I enjoy going out there and seeing what's happening. Really do enjoy it. And meeting up the grandkids and the children. Jenny, meanwhile, is in Brisbane and getting in a lot of golf and tennis. Once the transfer of ownership was done, Jenny stepped away from the board. I stayed on the board until the papers were signed for the, where it became the children's asset because I felt from then on they had decision-making process of what they needed to be done on the farm. I wasn't living out there, so I, would, I felt I didn't really have a reason to actually put my vote in. I probably would be just saying, yes, whatever the, the three children decided anyway, so it was pointless being on the board because I wasn't going to look up which tractor was better and we should be buying this bit now or later. So I was, I was happy to be there while it was all going through the process and then once it was all finalised, I was happy to step back. The biggest achievement with this session is that my first wife, Jenny, and I have been able to step away and not rely on the business for any financial support. An important thing to note is that once that transfer took place, the kids then went into three years of the worst drought in a century. And as everyone knows, it was tough. But today, driving around the place with Rebecca, looking out over the first crops they've had in years, there's a sense of hope. Going across the, the wheat and it's just glistening on top of the wheat crop, it just looks really pretty. I've done it for the last couple of weeks. I've just sat there for a few minutes just watching the wheat at five o'clock in the afternoon. Going, oh, how pretty you are. <laughs> I haven't seen you for about three years, so it's quite nice to see it. Um, to see the wheat, yeah, look like that. <laughs> I think being in agriculture is really exciting. We are doing what we love. We're also making decisions on our own that are contributing to growth and success. So despite the years of drought, we well, I suppose it is probably a good indicator. We've managed to stay here through the years of drought and we're all working together really well. Yeah, and then just achieving the goals, like actually progressing towards something that we've set out to try and do. And, and every time we get a bit closer, it's really exciting. The next stage of succession planning is working through how they set the business up for the next generation. There might just be some fifth generation Longworth farmers. You finish one generation, you start planning for the next. And they now have a few lessons under their belt. Nobody will be 100% happy for a successful succession plan. Most people will be 80% happy. <laughs> The succession plan is a process, and it can be a long and tough one. But ultimately, this is what you're working towards. The family is intact, and the business is intact. The parents are secure in their retirement, and the next generation are excited about the future of the business. The key things that helped the Longworths were working towards more clear roles in the business, bringing in a facilitator, and setting up a board to mediate the decision-making. Propagate is brought to you by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Young Farmer Business Program. You can find all the episodes on the Young Farmer Business Program website and you can find us on your favourite podcast player. Don't forget to hit subscribe 
and thanks for listening. <laughs>